Turn in your Bibles, if you would, with us to James chapter 3, within God's Word, and I pray and hope you have a study guide, and if you'd like to follow along, just fill in the blanks with us this morning, and we welcome you to follow along within God's Word. A preacher was preaching to his congregation when he was suddenly inspired to ask this question, who is the perfect man? Who is the perfect man? Has anyone seen a perfect man? And timidly, shyly, a small little man stood up. The preacher asked, Sir, do you have that answer? Who is the perfect man? The little man said, My wife's first husband. James begins in verse 2 of chapter 3 talking about the perfect person. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. And you heard the readers share about the impossibility in human terms that James poses to us on taming the tongue. This morning we share not necessarily just James' fatalistic view because he has quite a negative view of our words, our tongue, what comes out of our mouth. But I want to leave you with a positive word. A positive word that I've entitled, Releasing the Miracle in Your Mouth. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak your word this morning into our lives. And God, let it bear a rich harvest. Lord, I pray, grow us, mature us, encourage us with your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Releasing the miracle in your mouth. First of all, James emphasizes that our words are filled with awesome potential. Would you write that down? What are the three examples that James uses? You heard our readers cite them. Uh, they talked about the bit within a, a horse's mouth. They talked about the rudder that moves and steers a mighty ship. They talked about a tiny spark. That's all it takes to start a massive forest fire. Your words, like the bit, the rudder, the spark, your words might seem small, but your words are not insignificant. Your words have great power, the Bible lets us know. Power, think of it, to create good or evil. Power, to bring blessing or curse. Power to shape a destiny. Power to birth the miraculous. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And notice the last phrase. And you will eat. And you will eat. Let me repeat it again. And you will eat the fruit thereof. Your words will shape your environment that you choose to live in. Your words will literally shape your destiny. James reveals how wrong words can unleash 
terrible destruction in our lives. Look at what he says in verse 6. And among all the parts of the body, your hands, your feet, your head, the tongue, he focuses on our tongue. The tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Would you circle that word wickedness in your study guide or your Bible? Corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. The Greek word that is used for wickedness is adikia. Adikia. It literally means demonic evil. It's how bad. How bad the tongue can be when wrong words are uttered out of our mouth. Wrong words, James declares, can infect a person's whole being. It can determine for the negative the shape of your entire destiny. There's no greater example than Israel I've used it so many times. Israel at the threshold, at the doorway to the promised land. They've seen the miracles of God. They've watched how God has been faithful to them. They have seen how God has made a way where there seemed to be no way. And yet at the very door place of the promised land, Israel says, there's giants in the land. There's great walled cities in the land. There are mighty warriors in the land. We just can't do it. God has brought us here to kill us. We want to go back to Egypt. Let's kill Moses and Aaron and elect brand new leaders. And let's go back to Egypt. Does God hear what we say? Case in point, look at numbers with us. 14, then the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, how long will this wicked nation complain about me? For I have heard all that they have been saying. Tell them. Now this scares me. Tell them the Lord vows to do to you what you have feared. In other words, what you have confessed over your life over your situation, what you have verbalized, what you have vocalized, what you have confessed, the Lord vows to do to you. You will all die here in this wilderness. And we know the end of the story. That whole generation died out as they did 40 years of lapse in the wilderness. What environment are you creating with your words? Are you creating an environment, a home life? Are you creating a business life? Are you creating an environment, a blessing, or curse? Whatever it is, the Bible says you'll have to live in it. I believe, for instance, when a person says, I wish I were dead, they invite a spirit of death to invade their life. When a teenager says, I hate my parents, they open the door to a curse upon their lives, according to the fifth commandment. When a parent or spouse is constantly critical and demeaning and, and denigrating, they create a home environment marked by insecurity, 
inferiority and depression. When you keep saying, I'll never find true love. I'll never find real happiness. When you keep saying, I'll never find Mr. Right. I'll never find Miss Right to fall in love with. What do you end up doing? You end up marrying Mr. Right now and Miss Right now, which ends up being Mr. or Miss Wrong. Your words. You shape the environment that you will choose to live in by your words. Wrong words, James says, are no light matter. He reveals the destructive force behind all hurtful speech. What is this destructive force that he reveals that's behind all hurtful, hateful speech? It's satanic. James says it can set the whole life on fire. It's set on fire by hell itself. James says here, though we can control every animal, we can tame every creature, we can't tame our tongue. We can't control our tongue. By our sheer human will and effort, we cannot control the words that come out of our mouth 24-7 on a daily basis. In fact, we're incapable of overcoming the evil entity called Satan. When it comes to this, we are arrayed against him. He is our opposition. He is our unseen foe. He is actively at work causing poisonous words to come out of our mouths. Look down in verse 8. But no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Would you circle that word poison? Circle that word poison. It's a very interesting Greek word. The Greek word that's translated poison is eos. Eos, I-O-S, eos. Eos is a specific kind of poison. Eos is not passive poison. For instance, you make sure that when you have preschoolers, you have young ones in the home, you're very secure when it comes to the poisons in your home. You want to make sure that bleach, which is a poison, that can be lethal, is capped and it's out of its way. Because real soon, Augustus and, and Prince, that little one's going to be crawling around and your, your pastor didn't uh, drink and swallow uh, uh, bleach, but I, I about drank a gallon of gasoline when I was a little kid. And they had to take care of my stomach. Uh, my, my youngest, she found rat poison in the garage and that we had forgotten about, had been there for years, and she thought it was candy, and she chugged that down, and we had to pump her stomach, our little Jenny. Yeah, that rat poison, gasoline, uh, or bleach, is that passive or active poison? No, it's not active. It's passive. It's just sitting there. You have to find it. You have to engage in it. You have to decide to go after it, to drink it, to swallow it. I'll tell you what active poison is. It's a cobra. 
with venomous poison that is lethal. It can kill you. Just recently in Florida, uh, a cobra got out in a subdivision and they were scared to death because a cobra, which is unique among the animal kingdom, a cobra kills just for the sake of killing. A cobra goes after its prey. That's the type of poison that the original Greek delineates here. Satan actively goes after us to fill our mouths with negative, complaining, critical speech, wrong words, hurtful words, hate-filled words. He actively is at work, this unseen foe, to fill our mouths with this poison, so in turn to create a poisonous marriage, a poisonous home, a poisonous life, a poisonous destiny. It's a tongue that's lit by hell that lies, deceives, uses profanity, obscenities, uh, criticizes and complains. Reminds me of the husband that uh, was complaining all the time about the way his, his wife cooked or the way she kept the house. And one morning he said, I want two eggs. She said, how do you want them? I want one fried and I want one scrambled. And so she scrambled one and she fried the other. Next thing, next thing she heard, he's screaming to high heaven in the kitchen. And she says, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, you fried the wrong egg. So next morning he wanted a, a hot breakfast and so she set his cornflakes on fire. Good for her. Complaining, as we move into this week of thanksgiving, my Bible and your Bible says that uh, we enter his gates, his presence, through thanksgiving. Complaining degrades you, it denigrates you, it turns you into a, a creature that's more fit for hell than heaven. If there's anything that the enemy will want to do in your life, it's to bring complaining and criticism into your life. This was Israel's. Sad, sad curse. God had planned so much for his children, the children of Israel. And his plan, his destiny, was his best promised land. It wasn't to die in the wilderness. We create the environment. We create and shape our destiny by our words. Watch your words. Well, I just wanted them to have a piece of my mind. No, you gave them a piece of hell through your hateful speech. Listen to what James and how he winds up. James chapter 3, verse 10. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. What is James talking about here? Write it down. He ends his discourse on taming the tongue by revealing a shocking truth. Christians whose lives are marked by inconsistent speech are not Christians. If on a regular basis, cursing, 
poisonous speech, wrong words are coming out of your mouth. You are not a Christian. Hear his warning. Pastor, that's, that's pretty heavy. How can he say that? How can the Bible say that? Listen, this warning doesn't just come from James. It comes also from Jesus, who said in Matthew 12, Jesus said, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account of thereof in the day of judgment. By your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. I want you to notice there's no middle ground there. There's no neutral ground. Condemned or justified by our words. Our words are not insignificant. Our words have power. Power to bless. Power to curse. The power of life. The power of death. Watch your thoughts because they become your words. Choose your words for they will become your actions. Study your actions, for ultimately they will become your habits. Develop your habits, because they will form your character. Study your character, because ultimately, in the final, final discourse, your character will become your destiny. And it all begins with your words. Your words. We need help. We need help for the sake of others, for our own futures, and especially for God's glory. We need help. There's a desperate need from pastor to parishioner, from pulpit to pew. We all have a desperate need to tame our tongues, to watch our words, to use the right words to release the miracle that God has placed in our mouth. How many are here this morning and you'd like to have a miracle? You have a need and you'd like to have a miracle. If you don't need a miracle, then don't raise your hand. How many would like to have a miracle? I'm not going to make you stand up or do anything like that. Sure, right. I don't believe in miracles. You will when you need one. Miracle. And where do you find miracles? There is a great portion of teaching and revelation in God's Word that you find miracles right in your mouth. Right in your mouth. I want to give you four ways you can release the miracle that God has placed in your mouth. For instance, your home, your marriage. I want you to realize there's a miracle in your mouth for your family and your marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, the Bible says, Love sometimes works. <laughs> Love sometimes makes miracles happen. What does the Bible say here? Love never... Let's say it again so we can memorize it. Love never fails. You've just memorized a Bible scripture this morning in church. It's something that we not only need to memorize, we need to actualize in our marriages, in our families. Love never fails. 
most marital and family problems that I get involved in, in counseling, in discipleship, or ministry, most marital problems I'm involved in revolve around hurtful words, hate-filled words, hellish words. It's amazing to me how they can look at each other starry-eyed while they're engaged and look at each other and say, oh, she's such a sweet thing. He's my, 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 my honey bunch. Give them a year, five years, seven years, and I can't repeat behind this pulpit what has been transacted even in the counseling chamber with me of what has been said. There's a cycle of hurtful words, hate-filled words, hellish words going on in your home. Determine right now in the name of Jesus to stop it. Stop that vicious cycle. Loving words spoken on a daily basis. Loving words like precious seeds that are planted will reap a wonderful, glorious harvest. If you do it in the name of Jesus, you will create a consistent miracle in your home, in your relationships. Do you realize that I sit down with some adults who when they were children never ever heard their parents say, I love you. I love you. You're the best thing that ever happened to us. We're so glad the Lord gave you to us. Do you know I, I deal with some men in counseling that never heard their dad say, I am so proud of you. Not once. Not once. You're God's gift. You're the best thing that ever happened to us. You're so beautiful. I'll always love you no matter what. I will always love you. You cannot fill your home with that enough. You cannot fill those cell phone lines, those text messages, those Facebook messages. Use every communication tool at your disposal to tell your loved one, your family member, right now, I love you. There's nothing more powerful than saying, I love you in the name of Jesus. Despite what has happened, despite what has gone down, despite uh, uh, your choices, despite the life that you're living right now, I want you to know, I love you. I love you. I love you. A woman went to her doctor and she said, Doctor, I don't know what's wrong with my husband. It seems like everything that comes out of his mouth is constantly so hurtful to me. He loses his temper. I mean at the, lead, the most least provocation. Over the most tiny things, my husband gets upset with me. And I just don't understand it. What is his problem? Do you have... He said, I've got a cure for that. She, she said, you do. I'll pay anything. I've got a cure for it. It won't cost you a thing. She said, what? He said, 
when you sense your husband getting into that mode, in that mood, I want you to swallow a mouthful of water and just swish it in your mouth. She said, really? Yes, really. So for the next two weeks, she did that. She came back a changed woman. I mean, bubbly, full of joy. There was a bounce in her step. Doc, doc, it works. It works. This is marvelous. This is miraculous. Tell me, what is it about the water that makes this work? Oh, he said, the water does nothing. It's keeping your mouth shut that does the trick. I don't want to repeat last week's message in sermon. But you could save yourself, as I shared last week, all kinds of counseling time and all kinds of counseling money. You could save yourself all kinds of court costs, divorce costs. You could save yourself so much pain and agony in your marriage, in your family, if you would just choose to be a Bible wife or a Bible husband. What does it mean to be a Bible wife? It means to, if God's Word says it, then just do it. I don't know what's so hard about that, what's so difficult. Discover what God's Word says, this timeless Word that has proven itself over the ages, to bring miracles upon miracles in homes, marriages, and families. If it says it, believe it, receive it, and do it for the glory of God. Bible wives have the power to release the miraculous in their homes through their words of appreciation. Honey, you work so hard. Thank you for providing for the family. Words of affirmation. Honey, you're the best. You can do it. You can get that promotion. I know it. I believe in you. Words of admiration. Honey, you're my best friend. Uh, I want to grow old with you. Uh, uh, I am so thankful that God put you in my life. Not expecting anything in return. Not doing it because they deserve it, but because God deserves it. He deserves your obedience. And your obedience then creates the opportunity for a miracle. I can't wait tonight Every Sunday night, you know, every Sunday night, you know what happens in my home? Every Sunday night, I get to take out the garbage. And when I take out the garbage, Becky always whispers, I love the way your muscles ripple when you take out the garbage. I just can't wait to take that garbage. She is so encouraging in my life. Amen. By the words from her mouth. Our words are creating an environment of blessing or an environment of curse. Police officer pulled over a man doing 90 plus miles an hour. The driver, the man, rolled down his window and said, Officer, officer, I couldn't be doing 90 miles an hour. I've got cruise control. And I, it was set on 60 miles an hour. 
His wife leaned over and said, Honey, you know you don't have cruise control on this car. Leaned over. The officer wrote a ticket. Will you just keep quiet, the husband said. Wife smiled and said, Just be glad that your radar detector went off when it did. Officer wrote ticket number two. They were in a state where radar detectors are illegal. Illegal. The husband clenched his teeth and said, Woman, just keep your mouth shut. The officer said, Sir, I noticed you didn't have your seatbelt on. Uh, that's a $75 ticket. The man said, Well, I was reaching my back wallet to get my driver's license uh, out, and then that, that's why I took off my, my seatbelt. His wife said, Honey, you know you never wear a seatbelt. <laughs> Woman, will you just shut up? The husband said. The officer surprised, uh, said, uh, ma'am, does your husband always speak to you this way? And she smiled at the police officer and said, oh, only when he's drunk. <laughs> Husbands, are you a Bible husband? Are you following God's word his instructions on how to love your wives by what you say? Husbands, are you using negative words to try to get a positive action in the home? Do you criticize your wife all the time, hoping that that's going to change things? Are you criticizing and complaining, by the way, and how she does things, hoping that that's going to turn the environment around for blessing instead of curse? You've got things all upside down. I mean, are you coming home and saying, oh, house isn't clean. What have you been doing all day? Are, are you tasting the, the, the dinner and, and, and saying, have you ever thought about taking a cooking class? When she comes home from the beauty parlor, do you, do you look at her and go, ouch, what happened to you? Uh, are you speaking negative words and, and thinking somehow you're going to get a, a, a positive uh, reaction and response? That's like the farmer planting pumpkin seeds, thinking he's going to get a corn harvest. Stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> Come on. We're called by God. We're called by God to reap what we sow. We're called by God to sow words of uh, appreciation, words of affection, words of adoration. Boy, you're looking beautiful today. I thank God every day that out of all the women in the world, he chose you to be my wife. You are a gift to me. You have made my life so much better. You're my best friend. I want to grow old with you. I want to grow old with you. The honeymoon continues with our words. Our words. 
family members. Determine to bless your loved ones with your words. Choose to baptize your home with loving words in the name of Jesus. Write it down. For life's battles, we experience victory by releasing faith-filled words of God confidence. Another way to release the miracle in your mouth is a confession of faith. It is making God's word your word. Making God's word your word. What did Jesus do when he was confronted by Satan in the wilderness temptation? What did Jesus do? Jesus did not fall back upon his divine credentials as the Son of God. Jesus did what any one of us can do. When Jesus was confronted by the devil, one-on-one, -on -one, Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written, Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, and thou shalt worship him, and worship him only. It is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus confessed the word because there's power in the word. When the devil comes on with his attack, the Bible is clear that we are to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It is a rhema word. It is an anointed, appointed word. It is confessing the word of God which is already anointed and placing it upon the enemy as a binding for the glory of God. We see this in the case of David when David had one of his greatest battles. David one day showed up at the battlegrounds of Israel and saw the Israelite soldiers running for their tents and shaking in fear. Why were they shaking in fear? Hmm? Reminds me of the guy that came running down the street in a small town saying, The dam is out! The dam is out! Run for your life! The dam is out! And people start running. People start grabbing their children, screaming and running down the street. And finally, one guy sat down on a park bench and said, Hey, wait a minute. This town doesn't have a dam. Fear is contagious. And that's what we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Fear became infectious in the camp of Israel. They were all running into their tents because one man was roaring a challenge. Send me a man that I may fight him and we'll decide the battle today. Send me a man. We as armies do not need to fight. Him and I will fight it out and it will decide the victory or the defeat. Send me a man who was this mighty warrior that was shouting and roaring this challenge. Give me his name. Goliath. How big was Goliath? Over nine feet tall. He wore... Look at what the Bible says. He wore a coat of armor that weighed how much? Over 200 pounds. This guy's not only tall, he's big. 
We're talking about a Sherman battle tank of a man. He has been trained in warfare. David. David runs counter to the spirit of fear that had been infecting the camp day by day by day through the mouths of the children of Israel, through the soldiers of God's army Israel. And David said, I <laughs> who have fought the bear, I who have fought the lion in protecting the sheep, I will do so and much more to this man who has blasphemed the armies of the living God. And David, little teenage David, got together five stones in his slingshot, and he ran out to the roar of Goliath. I love that. He didn't run and hide behind bushes or trees and attack from nowheresville. He ran to the roar. When the enemy is running at you, when the enemy is roaring at you, when he's on his vicious attack in your life, in your home, and you know it when he's doing it, run to the roar, but don't run empty-handed. Well, I'll go with my slingshot. Oh, David went with far more than a slingshot. Before he ever hit Goliath with the stone from the slingshot, the, the stone was meaningless. Hear me. The stone was meaningless. It wasn't the stone that brought Goliath down. What was it that brought Goliath down? Goliath is coming. Goliath is strutting his stuff. He's blaspheming God and defying the armies of Israel. And David ran to the roar of Goliath, confessing the word of the Lord, faith-filled, God-confident words. David shouted out, You come to me with sword, spear, and shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord that the whole house of Israel shall know that the battle is the Lord's. And Goliath was defeated by the word that was released out of the mouth of David. Hear me in this. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 is clear. Your problem is not with people. Your problem is with the unseen foe. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. We're not fighting against people. Look what the Bible says. Our real fight is not against people made up of flesh and blood. Our real warfare and conflict, our troubles and difficulties are against persons without bodies, evil rulers of the unseen world, mighty satanic beings, great evil princes of darkness who rule this world against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. And then Paul goes to enumerate the armor that we need to have as the people of God, and he puts priority on the sword of the spirit, which which is the spoken word of God. When it comes to God's word, you need to believe it, you need to receive it, and then you need to release the miracle. 
that is in your mouth. Some of you are here this morning and you're dealing with financial difficulty. I want you to get up every single morning this week and begin to confess the promises of God which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus over your financial economic difficulty. Begin to confess he is Jehovah Jireh, my God who is my provider. He supplies all of, of my need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. The Lord my God, he giveth me power to get wealth. He has called me to be the head and not the tail. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Hallelujah. Are you sick in body? You need to lay a hand upon your head in the name of Jesus and every day confess God's word. Confess what God says about your health. Confess what God says about sickness. Confess God's will upon your body. And God's will is always health, wholeness, and healing. Confess that he is Jehovah Rophe. I am the Lord that healeth thee. And Father, you said that by your stripes, by the stripes laid upon the back of your son Christ Jesus, Jesus, I was healed, and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Hallelujah. I am going through. Amen. What is it? What is it that's happening in your life right now? Release the miracle that God has placed in your life. It might be a giant, uh, a Goliath that struts in your business day after day, causing depression and, and causing discouragement. It might be the giant of sickness. It might be the giant of demonic attack. If you're facing that kind of battle, rise up in the name of Jesus and be, begin to confess who you are and whose you are in Christ Jesus and declare, if God be for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Confess the word. Speak the word. Release the miracle in your mouth. And watch the victory come. Hallelujah. Four ways. Four ways. Four ways to release the miracle in your mouth. Speak love in your home on a daily basis. Whether you feel like it or not, speak it, speak it, speak it in obedience, in the name of Jesus. Number two, speak faith-filled words. Confess God's word. There's power in this word. Confess it, declare it, release it. It's a miracle in your mouth. Lastly, Acts 16 gives us two more. Look at what the Bible says. Scripture is clear. We find that God performed the miraculous for Paul and Silas because they released the spiritual weapons of prayer and praise in their midnight hour. You need to go back one slide. There you go. Write that down. These are two other ways as we begin to wind up to release the miracle in your mouth. God has ordained that prayer and that praise are mighty weapons 
that can be released from your mouth to bring healing, to bring victory, to bring provision, to bring the miraculous in your situations. Amen. Paul and Silas experienced this. Paul and Silas had a demonic encounter. They were preaching the gospel in, in Greece, in Philippi of Macedonia. They were preaching the gospel, ministering to people. They were birthing the church there in that Roman colony of Philippi when they had an encounter with a demon-possessed young girl. The demon was giving her the ability to be a fortune teller. They cast the demon out of that girl. They were glad and Satan was mad. And because of it, they were beaten until their backs were raw and bloodied. They were thrown, falsely accused, convicted, found guilty, thrown into the innermost dungeon of the Philippian jail. The jailer was threatened with death if they ever escaped. Their feet were locked and chained within stocks. They sit in the most secure dungeon. The, the, we can imagine the filth, the mud at the, at the bottom of that dungeon as they sat in it. How would they respond? Some of us are going through a Philippian jail experience. Some of us are going through a satanic attack experience. How will you respond with your words? Do we hear Silas leaning over to Paul and say, Well, Paul, here's another fine mess you got us in. Did they give all kinds of, Well, we might as well throw in the towel. We tried our best. I guess, God's, I guess God somehow is punishing us. Boy, does Satan love it when you say that. I guess God's forgotten us. I guess God doesn't love us any longer. Do we hear that coming out of their mouths at all? No, no. What came out of their mouths at the midnight hour, at the darkest hour, in the devil's hour, what came out of their mouths? Acts 16.25 lets us know. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Hallelujah. I mean it. It wasn't any quiet, ritualistic, formalistic, religious praise and prayer time. It was shouts of praise. Shouts of prayer and trust in God. How do I know that? Everybody heard them. They were Pentecostal. <laughs> I like that. Sure. What can we say about pray, praise and prayer? Both of these, you need to be under Christian if you want to grow up and be spiritually mature. Be keenly aware that praise and prayer has been ordained by God to be a spiritual weapon that comes out of your mouth in order to transact kingdom business in the supernatural. Again, the Bible declares and reveals that much of our lives are impacted by what's going on in the supernatural. You will invade the heavenlies. You will invade the supernatural for your life, for your home, for your destiny by invading the supernatural with praise and prayer. 
Praise and prayer are, are, are the flip sides of the same coin. Praise and prayer, they're both ways to release your faith in a God who will not and cannot fail you. And there comes a time where you just got to shout. And it's not a shout until it's out. And then the walls will come down. Praise is a spiritual weapon. The Bible says in Psalms 149 verse 6, in Psalms 149 verse 6, may the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. As you read the rest of the chapter, it talks about bringing a binding upon satanic forces. It talks about putting satanic uh, uh, demonic forces in chains and fetters of iron. It puts the, the unseen foe into retreat as we praise the Lord. Hallelujah! as we lift up holy hands and declare my God is on the throne and everything's going to be alright he is my mighty warrior he knows no retreat he knows no defeat hallelujah let God arise and his enemies be scattered hallelujah 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 church we need to stop viewing praise and worship as our religious duty. We need to stop viewing praise and worship as just another item on the Sunday morning agenda. And we need to move into the presence of God through praise and worship and release the miracle in our mouth and allow God to do what God does best. Some of us are ordering God. We give God a prescription. We give God an agenda. We give, well, first of all, God, I want you to do this. God, then secondly, I want you to do this. Then God, I want you to perform this. God, then next, provide this. He's not Santa Claus. He's not the old man upstairs sitting in a rocking chair, wringing his hands, wondering what's going to happen next. Sometimes even my prayers can become an order to God telling him what to do. But when you, when you stand and say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you, and I lift up holy hands of praise, you release God to do what he knows is best. He knows where the fight is coming from. He knows if it's supernatural or natural. He knows if the fight's coming from the heavenlies, from the spiritual dimension, or from the fleshly dimension. And he can move and do what he is best at doing, being God. And you and I are not God. Praise. Will you release the miracle in your mouth? Prayer. Prayer. Prayer is foundational for every believer. Prayer is the mighty spiritual artillery of God. In Ephesians 6 verse 18, after Paul enumerates all the spiritual weapons, he ends up as prayer being the mightiest. Prayer. Oh, it stopped the mouth of lions in the Bible. Prayer, it made a way where it seemed to be no way as God's people walked across the Red Sea on dry land. Prayer, it's vanquished armies. Prayer, it brought down manna. It brought down fire from the skies. It shut up the rain in heaven. Prayer, it caused it to be cool in the furnace as the three Hebrew young men said, we will not bow. We'd rather burn than bow. 
Prayer, it causes the vilest sinner to be clean. Prayer one day will be uh, the means by which the eastern skies will unzip and Jesus will come down with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Why? Because God's people were praying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Prayer, prayer, prayer. The time of prayer is a time of power. The place of prayer is a place of power. The people of prayer are a people of power. But God can't answer prayers that are never prayed. Your Bible and my Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and they will rise with the wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Praise and prayer will you release the miracle that God has gifted you with in your mouth to vocalize, to declare that a mighty God is on the throne and he makes a way where there seems to be no way. He'll do it for you as he did it before. But pastor, I've got a problem. Pastor, I've got a problem. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to praise. I don't know how to speak words of faith effectively. Plus, on top of that, James. James says our tongues can't be tamed. James says that our tongues are lit by hellfire. Well, then here's my answer. Then fight fire with fire. I'm talking about God's Holy Spirit fire. God's Holy Spirit fire. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 that Isaiah the prophet had a revelation. He had a vision of God upon the throne. The Bible says in Isaiah 6 that Isaiah said, I saw the Lord <laughs> high and lifted up and his glory filled the temple. And I saw the seraphim. I saw the angels. The six-winged angels flying over him. With a pair of wings, they covered their feet. With a pair of wings, they covered their eyes. With a pair of wings, they flew over the throne of God, crying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And as I stood before the holiness and the glory of God, I said, Woe is me! For I am a man of unclean lips, an unclean tongue, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And then an angel, an angel flew down, and with the forceps he took a living coal, a fiery coal, off the altar and placed it upon my lips and declared, Thou art made clean with the fire off of the holy altar. And then the mighty, the mighty one said from the throne of thrones, 
Who shall go for us? Who shall we send? And I told the Lord, Lord, here I am. Send me. Send me. We all have a problem with our words. Come on, let's face it. We all have a problem with our words. Yeah, I was the one that came home the other day and said, as I looked at the messy house, I said, okay, so what did you do all day? Doesn't win you any brownie points. And then I had to ask for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry. Love you. We all have problems with wrong words. All of us are, are targeted by the enemy of our souls with his poison to bring us down with our words. And our words are, are shaping an environment of blessing or an environment of curse. God's answer is Holy Spirit fire. Isaiah had just a foretaste of Acts chapter 2 when God the Holy Spirit came down like fire. Oh, let's let Luke say it so much better than me. Acts 2. The Bible says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Hear me. If you'll press into the presence of God, and allow His holy fire to come down upon your mouth, your lips, your tongue, your words. He can change words of cursing into words of blessing. Words of hurt into words of healing. His Holy Spirit can change the environment of your home through your mouth. His Holy Spirit can fill your mouth with faith-filled, God-confident words. His Spirit's fire will empower you to pray and to praise so that you can make a way where there seems to be no way. Would you let Him do that? Would you let Him do that? I have two, two precious, two precious young ladies I'd like to introduce you to this morning. Julie and Jenny, can you come on up here? Amen. Can you come up here and join me? Beautiful. I am so, so privileged. Many of you do not know who these two girls are that are here this morning. Amen. Come over here, Julie. Amen. Right over here. Amen. Amen. This is my oldest, and this is my youngest. Amen. She just came home yesterday for Thanksgiving. Of course, Julie is our youth pastor's wife here at the church. And, and Jenny is our college student in her senior year of her psychology degree. She's trying to psych dad out, <laughs> figure him out. Amen. Both of these girls, I learned something. Both of these girls in separate times in their life, they had crisis events. Juliet birth was not supposed to live. Jenny, 
Jenny, she was the three-year-old that ate rat poison. Jenny, during her teen years, had desperate times. Even young adult, one time she got turned around and thought she was following her GPS to our address in Shelby Township. Didn't know that she was following her GPS to Dearborn, Michigan. And 1.30 in the morning, she's out of gas, doesn't know where she's at, at 7 Mile and uh, I-75, downtown Detroit. Dad's calling the police. Over both of these girls, I have either literally laid my hands upon their head, or, like in the case of Julie, we, or Jenny, we had no idea where she was. Her phone went dead. And we just began praying in the spirit. I remember driving home when the doctor said, it doesn't look good. And driving on the lodge freeway and I hitting the steering wheel and saying, no, no. In the neonatal unit of Detroit Children's Hospital. And I began praising the Lord. I began praying in the spirit. I began pressing in and releasing the miracle in my mind. And something, something urged me to turn the car around and go back to the hospital, put on all of the, the, the sanitary clothes, the mask and everything. And they greeted me at the door. There has been an amazing turnaround. Your daughter has had a miracle. As God's given her the miracle by releasing the miracle in my mouth. This young lady, I think it was her freshman year of college, coming home from Washington Township, following their, her GPS on her phone. And as I said, she didn't realize that the same street address is also in Dearborn, Michigan as Shelby Township. <laughs> and I can't tell you the panic. I called Detroit police, 1.30 in the morning. We have no idea where she's at. And uh, when we did find her, after praying in tongues the whole way, when we did find her, we found out in the darkness of, of a BP gas station in, 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 in a field next to it, in the darkness, we come up to my wife's SUV, and she's not in there, and, and we're freaking out. And all of a sudden, she raised up, and she's got a screwdriver to defend herself. She, she cried out and said, I know you love me now. <laughs> I'll never forget that. God brought us there. We prayed the whole way through. Amen. Stand with me if you would this morning. Girls, stay with me. Amen. You say, Pastor. Pastor, I got one more blank to fill. If you want to change your situation, start today by changing your words. Do you need a miracle? These two young ladies are living testimonies of miracles that I'm able to share and miracles I can't share of how we have spoken blessing. We have spoken victory. The authority of our God who will not and cannot change over their lives father in the name of jesus i just pray right now that god that even right now lord you would release a miracle in the mouth 
Lord, of each one that is struggling here today. You would release victory, praise, blessing, honor, and glory. Lord, in the lives, the environments, oh God, that these represent. Lord, there's hurting lives that are represented here this morning. Lord, there's hurting situations. Lord, there have been hellish words, hate-filled words. But Lord, we're going to turn it around. Instead of words from hell, we're going to have words from heaven. Lord, instead of tongues lit by hell, we're going to have tongues lit by your Holy Spirit. Lord, in the name of Jesus, do what you do best, even now, in your name and for your glory, Lord. For we have come to worship you this morning. In the name of Jesus, we speak this. How many, how many, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many are here today? And you would say, Pastor, Pastor, I represent a situation. I represent, oh God, a difficulty. I represent a home where we need a miracle. Would you just lift up your hand right now if that's you? Yes, 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 yes. So many, so many, so many. If you have not received your miracle yet, but you need a miracle, and you're going to praise the Lord no matter what, I want you to come down here right now and join me, even right now. Join us right now. Join us even right now. If you need a miracle, but you haven't received your miracle yet, but you're believing for it, you're claiming it, I want you to come right now and begin to praise Him. Begin to pray. Begin to confess. Begin to release the miracle in your mouth, even now. In the name of Jesus, uh, lift your hands, lift your voices, lift your faces unto Him.